It is time for Think Tank, and uh, we are joined by Selena Cesar Chavan, former Liberal MP, Toronto mayoral candidate, and author of Can You Hear Me Now? And I've, I've been wanting to ask you about this, Selena. In your yeah. mind, when you hear the topic of your book, how do you hear how it's said in your head? <laughs> uh, there's three different versions, Ben. It's like, can you hear me now? Or um, can you expletive? hear me now. So there's, a few, there's a few different versions of my head. Hey, there you go. That's great. We're also joined by Jamie Ellerton, founding partner of Canaptus PR and conservative strategist. Great to talk to you again, Jamie. Good morning, Ben. All right, let's jump in, shall we? Um, Canada is set to limit study permits for international students and raise the financial requirement. Um, uh, we can drill down to the details if we want, but like, is this the solution to our housing crisis and to tackling fraud? Uh, Selena, we'll start with you. Yeah, you know what? You you can't sort of take this a, a blunt approach to some of these particular issues, and I think that this is exactly what this does. It it takes a a big sledgehammer. It's a sledgehammer. It's not a scalpel. It's not a scalpel. It's not a nuanced approach to dealing with this particular issue to fix this problem. Sure, the fraud and the abuse needs to be addressed. That 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 the story goes into, but limiting study permits and raising financial requirements may just create a new set of hurdles for students who are aspiring to study in Canada. And it's, it's, it risks turning away some really brilliant minds who could contribute to our economy and our society. But more importantly, this is actually not a solution to a much bigger uh, fiscal uh, and social problem. We do not have adequate housing for our domestic market. Yep. We have an immigration strategy that is going to double the population of the country in the next few decades. Why are we still putting a Band-Aid? It's not even actually a Band-Aid. I don't know what it is at this point. <laughs> on a solution that requires some really um, in, in, interrogative and bold thinking around housing and social policy. And this is not it. Jamie, um, we, I'm looking at this and, and I think uh, Selena framed it really, really well because this the issue is fraud, but we're not tackling the fraud. We are raising uh, the, the, the costs for people. That's not tackling the fraud. That's literally the definition of um, treating the symptoms and not the disease. Yeah, I think we we'll also know right now what's happening, though, Ben, is that we're actually kind of frauding international students. We're selling them on a bill of goods to come here, One and we don't it. have the ability to actually integrate them into Canadian society right now. And so I think I agree with Selena Chavez. This is kind of a blunt instrument but if we are seeing students which we are relying on social services going to food banks and they don't have housing because politicians for the better part of 20 years has refused to effectively build the adequate housing we need in this country then i think it's actually more honest to say hey unless you have more money and can actually support yourself to come and study in canada uh, we can't actually bring you in because we're selling you a false bill of goods saying like, yes, we want more immigration. We want you to come here. We want you to get an education. But P.S., here's your broom closet if you don't like it. <laughs> Set up this box underneath this bridge. Good luck. We'll talk to you in four years when you have your B.A. I, I think that's morally dubious. And so pulling back on international student numbers in the short term, uh, while the rest of our, our governments, both federally, provincially, and municipally, figure out how we're actually going to get housing built in this country, uh, I think it's the honest, more honest thing to do. And Selena, you also made another point that I thought was really good um, when you said, you know, we're, we're going to lose a generation of minds uh, who would come to Canada. And and this isn't even the first time that I think this version of this mistake 
has been made in the, in the past couple of weeks because the Quebec government uh, decided to raise fees for international students uh, in a way to protect the French language. So they did it at all the English universities across Quebec, and there are three of them. And and they're there. All they're doing is looking at them as a, a sort of a, a suck on the provinces when it comes to, to language. But they're they're forgetting how much money that these students will spend. And some of them will start businesses. Some of them will fall in love and decide they want to stay with their spouse in Quebec. And that enriches a country. That doesn't take anything right. away. Right. It's it's so. More importantly, the Quebec. What the Quebec government did was it uh, raised tuition fees for domestic students yeah. who are English speaking as well. Yeah. So, so it, it negates the fact that when a student comes into a university town, they contribute to the economy by not just paying tuition, by buying groceries, by paying rent, by doing all of those other things, paying utilities, all those other things that contribute to economic success. But what uh, universities need to do in, with, when thinking about that policy is there's other schools in the world yeah. This is a competition. Yeah, exactly. Not just Canada doesn't, uh, doesn't just have the U15, and we're the only universities in the world. There are universities that are offering scholarships that are mega big yeah. that students could go to. And we are limiting our competitive advantage, our ability to, to have those interactions with those students, for domestic students to, ever, to be able to collaborate with foreign students that come here. It is an absolute non-thought-out-to-the-end a policy that I just do not understand. Jimmy Ellerton, if you were, uh, if you had the ear of the mayor of Calgary and she said to you, yeah, I'm not going to go to the Hanukkah celebration this year because the whole thing's become too political. What would you have advised her? Mayor, you are wrong. You are misguided. You need to be there and show a time of leadership and actually speak to unity from the podium uh, and help tone down some of the tamper down some of the tensions we are seeing uh by heeding the message and celebrating hanukkah with the jewish community and those coming out to support them not further ratchet up the political uh, with your bumbling rhetoric of trying to play both sides of them and only trying to make a problem worse well but and and uh, uh selena just from a practical standpoint she has created a precedent in my mind that she can't get away from you know next year when the eid celebrations start i think there are going to yeah. be a lot of jews that say why are you going to that even if the war is over, there will be people there who uh, believe very strongly in their position. Uh, then there's no way that that won't be a part of what pre- people bring in the door. Just like that's what they said. That's what the, the, the Jewish community said. Said We are Jews and we support Israel no matter what. We, just because we haven't said it before doesn't mean we didn't support Israel last year. It's just we had there's more reason to do it for us now. So and now she's I think she's put herself in a position where she can't go to anything anymore. Well, I, I think that this is what it is. And, you know, when I was in, in Parliament, I never uh, abstained from a vote or said, I don't know, or wishy-washed on ideas. This is, a, you're an elected official, you represent all people, and this is where you have an opportunity to what Jamie said, which is bang on, to speak from the pulpit and address issues in a, in a straightforward and really candid way. And she missed an opportunity to do that. And it's going to be criticized for it. And whether you, you want to, you want to speak to October 7th and, 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 and put our hearts and minds there or speak to what is currently happening to Palestinians, there's an opportunity to do that. And, you know, it was, it was totally missed and it seemed like she didn't do her homework. Yeah. 
um, and and doesn't actually stand for anything. So would rather cower away. And I and I hate to say this because I, I really like to support women running in politics. But honestly, you have to stand for something. You can't just cower away and say, well, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to answer any questions because it's a hard thing to do. We got into this business because it's a hard thing to do. And uh, Jamie, does, does, does she think that uh, the Jewish community in Calgary is putting on a, a more political event than, say, their, their fellow Jews in uh, other cities across Canada? Because in those other cities, the mayors have found a way to get themselves to this important celebration. I don't know why she thinks that this issue is uh, is so sensitive and so particular to Calgary that that she's sort of alone on this. She if she looked around, read the room, she'd say, "No, everybody else is doing it. There's safety in numbers. I'm going to the, I'm going to go to this." Yeah, it really comes down to, like with someone else giving her bad advice, like does she really not know also like the whole actual uh, reason for Hanukkah is that uh, ancient Israelites were kind of forced out of their way, and the Torah, or sorry, the candle was lit for, what is it, eight crazy nights, ever uh, quoting the Adam Sandler song, <laughs> uh, and found their way back to Israel. It's the whole actual purpose of the holiday, of like light over darkness, and the uh, people of Israel triumphing. So I think when you look at what this is, there, you're seeing a lot of conflation, obviously, with the conflict of what's going on in the Middle East right now, uh, but you see the Jewish community being demonized and targeted because of what's going on in that part of the world. And that's frankly, that's part of, I think, what is actually kind of a soft modern anti-Semitism. And you can't just say Israel equals all Jews and therefore, boo, I'm not going to it. I think it's an absolutely repugnant precedent to set. Uh, and she could have gone and spoke to Calgary's Jewish community, celebrated Hanukkah uh, and Jewish Canadians place in our, in our cultural mosaic and frankly left the politics of the war out of it. And if she did feel the need to say something about it, uh, say something that appeals to people's better humanity as opposed to trying to take a side in the war. I think she's pleasing someone else. All right. Uh, we are going to talk now with the former MP about uh, behavior of a current MP. And uh, so so uh, there, there was a conservative MP named Damien Curick who was kicked out of the House of Commons for accusing Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of being a liar and then refusing to apologize for it. Uh, so Keurig made his, his comments during question period on Wednesday. He was accusing Trudeau of still running a partisan Senate despite claiming it was independent after the upper chamber voted in favor of amending Bill C-234, which – and people know that, that that was a conservative bill to exempt the carbon tax from fuels used to heat barns and other agricultural um, structures. So he said – he said the prime minister lied and the minions lied. Oh, you've got the. Why would I say it? Go ahead. Let's play it. I know for a fact that farmers are asking that minister to axe the carbon tax. That PM promised that the Senate would be independent, but the actions this past week proved that that is a complete farce. We know he bullied his senators. The PM himself was on the phone over the weekend telling them they had to gut Bill C-234. The prime minister lied and his minions continue to lie about whoa, whoa. The Honourable Member should retract that and apologize. The Honourable Member Battle River Crowfoot. Mr. Speaker, I will not apologize to that Prime Minister when he continues to lie about the of the independence of the Wow. Uh, so uh, you, you would have been sitting there. You would have been sitting there. You would have watched that. What, what do you think when you hear that level of uh, energy? <laughs> 
coming from the other side. First of all, it's better it's better when you watch it on TV. It does not sound good on the radio. You have to watch it. You have to watch it. But, you know, it's fascinating to witness how passionate elected, elected officials get when they're accusing each other of dishonesty. It's clear that there's strong disagreement. And I, while I believe that it's important to have decorum and probably not use those words and frame it differently, why is why is that the focus? and not the concern with whether or not this uh, uh, an untruth has been actually um, is actually happening. Why is it uh, we're focusing on that decorum and not whether or not the prime minister is swaying or unduly pressuring, which we've heard before yep. seems to be a thing that we've, we've it's resonating. Um, and, uh, and at that point I had to tweet out that the prime minister was lying um, this undue pressure of, of senators, why aren't we investigating that? Mm. And, and the point of the matter is, is that um, the bill that's in question here, there are judicial reviews about a pricing of carbon on um, indigenous communities. We heard that earlier this week on Alex Pearson's show. There was there is uh, judicial reviews happening. There is uh, pauses for some places in the country. It is a mess in how it's rolling out. So I think that instead of sort of focusing in on the decorum piece, let's focus in on the undue pressure that is happening, possibly happening to senators, and then let's create a a, uh, a piece of legislation that is fairly and adequately t- treated, especially to those who are most vulnerable and are going to be impacted economically most um, most hurtfully or negatively by this piece of legis- by the previous piece of legislation that the conservatives are now trying to amend. Uh, Jamie Ellerton, uh, do you agree with Selena Caesar Chavan that uh, we seem to be focusing on the sizzle and not the steak? I'm going to be a bit of a contrarian on this one. Uh, if you are an elected member of parliament and you have been in the House for years, you know what the rules are, and it's your job as a member of parliament in that place to play within the rules and be an effective voice for your constituents. If you, sure, sometimes you get heated under the collar and you, your emotions get the better of you and you say it away, you stop. But the speaker literally gave him a chance to essentially withdraw his remarks. Quite frankly, it's a pretty routine thing that happens in the House for someone to say something they should have, they withdraw, they move on. This guy couldn't do it. And as a result, he got kicked out of the House of Commons for the day and couldn't actually give voice to his constituents and those that he's trying to fight for. And it actually, I think, detracts from the cause of what he's fighting for, which is trying to find equity and get relief from the carbon tax that Atlantic Canadians have got for other Canadians and other industries in other provinces across the province. And so it actually detracts from the issue that he claims he's trying to show. You're in the House. You're elected. You know what the rules are. Play by the rules. Learn how to play within them to get stuff done. If you can't, perhaps you should look for another job. I, you know what, Jamie? I, 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 I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think I so. Think you go, go ahead. To his constituents. I think it speaks to his constituents in a way that shows that he's not going to back down. And, I, and, and especially when you have other even liberal MPs that are voting against uh, the, the government on, on the price of carbon, and especially in the Atlantic region, it is speaking to a whole swath of individuals that, yeah. say, that is saying, I'm not going to back down on this issue. The prime minister is wrong and I'm going to go toe to toe. So I, it, it adds further. The reason we're talking about it today is because he didn't back down. That's exactly right. And had, had he said, had he said it was a mistr- uh, uh, the, the prime minister misled people or, or didn't, uh, didn't tell the truth or fibbed, we would not be talking about it today. And, and, and then, and then I, I guess, Jamie, you could then say, yes, but what part of it are we actually talking about? We're talking about right. uh, the, the behavior. So I, 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 I concede that point. But right. the conversation is being had, and, and, uh, and, it's, uh, and, and it's an important one. So I, I do believe that he knew exactly what he was doing. 
I think he wanted a show. He knew the cameras were on him. Uh, and, um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was part of a larger campaign strategy for the conservatives. Let's start socializing. Let's start getting clips of us calling him a liar because that's what we're going to use in the campaign. I don't know. They've been doing that for years. Yeah. So I'm just, okay. I, that, could, that, could be, that could be what they're doing. We need, we need some footage in the House uh, for the campaign. And so this guy, this guy was, the first, uh, was the first one uh, through the door. Uh, all right. What's the next story we're talking about? Service Ontario. There was good news about Service Ontario, and then there was this news. The good news is that they've struck a deal, I think, with Staples, so that they're going to have dozens of more Service Ontario um, uh, spaces and, and offices around the province, and I think that's a brilliant idea. I think we need more of them. Uh, it's a vital uh, organization, and um, uh, it's a choke point for a lot of people because there are not a lot of them. But then we hear that uh, police, uh, that Service Ontario employees handed over driver info to car thieves, say the police. Um, this seems like an odd, odd story. Like you, this is one of those, you had one job stories. You had one job. Jamie, <laughs> what, what do you think? Uh, this sounds like the Ontario police have like tapped into what clearly was an organized crime ring. I know we know how long we've been talking now for the past couple of years with rising car thefts, carjackings, et cetera. And then the cars get put on the train yeah. and out the port of Montreal. And you see the Ontario plates showing up on roads elsewhere around the world, clearly from being stolen vehicles. Uh, this is a, a gross breach of trust. Uh, and I think this is if this is what the police have been able to find so far. I think there's going to be a lot more to come for this. And I think we should throw the proverbial book at these people uh, and make sure they spend some time behind bars. And uh, maybe we can give them some hot wheels to figure out how to manage their affairs better. <laughs> Selena, when you hear this story, what do you think? Do you chuckle? Do you shake your head? No, I, I, it's totally an egregious breach of trust. I, I appreciate the Hot Wheels comment because that was <laughs> um, But it is an egregious breach of trust uh, for Service Ontario employees to be involved in trafficking sensitive information um, that, that helps car thieves. And it's not just about the stolen vehicles. It's about compromising the safety and privacy of hundreds of Ontario drivers. And the situation serves as a wake-up call for much stricter oversight and security measures within government institutions to prevent flagrant misuse of, of data. And, uh, you know, going one step further, um, what is happening in other, in other sort of parts of Service Ontario? Like, this is, this is sort of the question now where we've kind of lifted the, the rug. Are we going to lift the whole thing or are we just going to lift part of it, clean that part out and put the rug back down? Or are we going to do a full sweep? Like, all of our sensitive information data is king right now data is like the new oil if our data is being let out of the province to nefarious causes never mind the, the stealing of our vehicles that's something that we really need to be paying attention to you know i i completely agree with what you said but uh, until people until individuals take their um the the, the privacy of their data more seriously it's kind of hard for me to put this all on 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 uh, government organizations. Like, well, people, when they're selling our data, like yeah. we don't, we I don't think I purposely go on Google or put stuff into things because I think somebody's going to steal it. That that might be a level of ignorance. It's not a uh, it's not criminal. Yeah, but no, no, of course, no, of course, it's not criminal. But but I think there's a larger there's a larger there should be a larger movement at foot. Uh, a foot, you know, people with the password, password, uh, you're going to get what you get. <laughs> if, if, if your, if your uh, identity is stolen uh, because your password was password, 
yeah, you kind of don't deserve to keep your person, your, 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 your identity anymore. If someone smarter than you is going to take it, uh, let's move on, uh, to another story and my computer is, there it is the ROM. Okay. No, actually first the police uh, are looking for four suspects in a smash and grab at the Cartier store at Yorkdale. Um, Jamie, we're seeing this so often in our city now. And yes, I know that it is a symptom of, of a larger problem. Uh, and I said earlier, we should treat the disease, not the symptom. But in this case, you have to attack the problems of, of um, inequality. You got to attack the issues of, um, you know, uh, people feeling like they, they don't have enough money in their pocket. But you can also uh, go heavy on, on these guys for the smash and grab. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, the story to me just kind of seemed like run-of-the-mill robbery. Uh, there are people who are actual criminals who are going to try and, and, and steal jewelry and do. Uh, I guess the really smart ones get away with it, while the not-so-bright ones uh, get caught and spend some time uh, behind bars. Uh, I, I do think you're trying to... We, we are seeing more stories about this. I'd be curious if there actually are more robberies uh, of this scale that are actually taking place, or if we're just more aware of them because they percolate online. Uh, but it does feel like we are do have a rising crime problem in the city, and uh, I think the kind of fraying of the social contract of everyone's out to get their own it doesn't excuse what took place at this car chain at Yorkdale Mall of all places. But uh, I don't know; it's increasingly hard to get animated about it when it seems like no one's really doing something to solve the problem. Yeah, it, uh, Selena, it can be quite disheartening, you know, because you see this happening, and there is a part of me that says that we have a social contract. But these people who did the smash and grab would say, "Look." One side didn't live up to their bargain, so why should we? I get that. I, I get that. But that, to me, doesn't in any way justify the actions. Yeah, no, it, it, it doesn't justify the actions. Um, and I don't want to, to come off as it, giving any kind of license towards the use of pepper spray and hammers and, you know, putting a whole bunch of people at risk in, in the smash and then running out of the mall. Um, you know, we're... we're, we're economically challenged and i think that there are um there are some prescriptions that need to be put in place to to really start to address some of these issues but more broadly some of the social issues that are happening around people who are lining up at food banks who are really challenged by the economics of this time um you know from from before the pandemic but especially after and so, you know, you have the holiday season coming up, you have, you know, different uh, factors influencing how people behave. And, you know, I, I, I really think that it was in Toronto in particular, and I said this during my campaign, we really need to pay attention to the levers that we have to uh, provide social assistance and housing, how we fund that, and to uh, enable people to live lives that they can not just survive in the city, but thrive as well. But it's not an excuse for the behavior. I think there's a wider social problem that we need to be looking at. All right. Well, uh, for those people who are looking for something to do on New Year's Eve, um, there has been a tradition at the ROM for people to get all gussied up and go into that beautiful building and enjoy uh, the countdown. And you get to enjoy music and drinks and food and live entertainment as you ring in the new year surrounded by really cool stuff. And uh, pair, oh well, listen, I said I said you get tickets, but it turns out sold out in minutes. And in previous years, uh, it it was it was a huge success. And uh, but one person on Reddit noticed the cost of the tickets have gone um, have gone up almost uh, they've almost doubled this year. 
They've almost doubled this year, and people are very, very upset about this. And the the Rob the Rom says that it's uh, you know it's a cost of food, it's a cost of labor, all that stuff. The costs have gone up. Uh, is is two hundred fifty? Now it is a cool one, a unique experience. Jamie is two hundred fifty dollars. Uh, first of all, is that something you can swing these days? And if you could, would you want to do that? Okay, so I find New Year's Eve to be the most overrated day of the entire year. You essentially end up paying four times the price to do the exact same night out you could do any other Friday that's not New Year's Eve, uh, all for the privilege of typically drinking some mediocre sparkling wine and stopping everything you're doing to count to 10 and pretend like something grand has just happened. So I'm pretty not big on New Year's. I think it's typically incredibly lame and tend to gather with friends and do something at home. Uh, I think the ROMs trying to make the night great. And I've been to some other, I say, charity fundraisers. I was at one earlier this year for Rainbow Railroad uh, at the ROM, and they bring the place to life. It's a cool environment to have a party in. Uh, clearly, there's market demand, as you just said there, Ben. They've already sold out. Yeah. Uh, and good on the ROM for trying to not only great, create a cool experience for people who could afford it, uh, but hopefully also raising a bit of money so that they have more money to stay for school programs to put kids right. yeah. into the other 364 days of the year. Silly, this feels like a tempest in a teapot. Oh, so someone who can afford a $250 ticket, and probably 500 because you're probably bringing a date. You can afford it. People are, are oh, they've got the vapors because it was so expensive. But they, they, right. they had to spend $500 to go to the ROM for New Year's Eve. It seems, a very, uh, um, it seems like a very hoity-toity problem to have. Well, so yeah, so I, I'm going to speak to this to this response as someone who has the has privilege. I was, you know, a a member, a royal patron of the ROM, and a, a young patron of the ROM. Uh, my husband and I for for years, it, it we we did that because they provide these additional school services to to children around Toronto. They they cater to a, a, a philanthropic mission as well. So it's. They they have top entertainment, top notch food. It's an experience, and for some people who think that it's worth it, they're paying for that experience. Yep. If you do not, if you can't afford it, or you don't want to go, there are other experiences throughout the city. Or yeah. more importantly, you can Netflix and chill. Well, that's what I was going to say. May I recommend what I think is going to be the hottest party of the year: your your couch uh, and a sleep by nine. That's that's how I want to ring in the new year: asleep. I want to have been, and I mean a deep sleep, guys. I want to have been in this sleep for three hours already. So, so that that to me is the best way to ring in 2024, uh, guys. We've got to leave it there. I want to thank you both for being here, Selena. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, I hope we do it again soon. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend, guys.